Welcome to the Next Level Human Podcast. As a human, you have a job to do. In fact, you have four jobs. To earn and manage money, to attain and maintain health and fitness, to build and sustain personal relationships, to find meaning and make a difference. None of these jobs are taught in school, and that is what this podcast is designed to do to educate us all on living our most fulfilled lives through the mastery of these four jobs. I'm your host, Dr. Jade Tita, and I believe we are here living this life for three reasons and three reasons only, to learn, to teach, and to love. In this podcast, I will be learning, teaching, and loving right along with you. I'm grateful to have your company. Here's to our next level. What's going on, everybody? So I have a special guest today, um, Brandon Belk, and I'll tell you a little bit story about Brandon and I. Um, we got hooked up by a mutual friend um, who you all have actually listened to and who has been on the podcast previously, Jess Amendola. And she said, oh, you got to meet my friend Brandon. You guys are totally hit it off. And so what was it, two weeks ago, you and I hooked up at High Five Coffee here in Asheville, just down the street. And it's one of those conversations where I was just like, this guy is my people, right? I think I was just like, so we, I could have talked to him pretty much all day and we covered a lot of things in that conversation. Jess was right. We had a lot in common. So we talked about philosophy and psychology and just our hero's journeys, both of us and, you know, sort of how we got to where we got to. One of the things that came up, though, um, is that Brandon, and Brandon, you correct me if I'm wrong here, but one of the things Brandon does is he works with entrepreneurs to help them understand money and help them understand business. Uh, And one of the things that he does around that, that he's an expert in, that kind of really perked up my ears for all of you, is uh, cryptocurrency and that whole space. One of the things that you'll pick up right away is that, uh, and by the way, Brandon does a lot. I'll have him tell you guys in terms of, I don't know if you're going to be working with people, but you'll probably get some business out of this in terms of what you do. But he works a lot with entrepreneurs and a lot educating us in finance. And I don't do a whole lot of that. So one of the things I asked him to do is come on and I kind of want to have him be a regular guest here if he's willing to kind of educate us because I think this is an area that... Um, a lot of us struggle with finances in general, and certainly uh, I would say I don't really know anyone who qu- kind of understands where the financial industry is going and what cryptocurrency is and what's going on. But the little bit that you and I got into, it seems like a lot is going to be changing in the future, and you're one of these people who has a really good uh, handle on it. So I'm just going to stop there and just let you start where you want in terms of telling us your story, anything you feel like background you want uh, them to know, and then we can kind of get into wherever you want to start with the financial uh, sort of discussion. Sure. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Jade, for having me. Um, I can only reflect the same same impression, you know, from that first time we met and talked. It was uh, it was definitely a kindred spirit experience, and um, yeah, what stood out to me was how many parallels, you know, obviously we all have our different journeys and mm-hmm. our different paths, different challenges and triumphs, but, um, you know, there's always, I, I tend to, to, to look at the synchronicities in, in my environment and, um, that's what makes it fun, Yeah, you know? And, uh, and for me, you know, everything you said is correct. You know, that is, that is where my primary focus is 
these days. And, um, you know, real quick, I can just kind of give a, a background of, you know, how it came to that. Point. Yeah. Let's, let's do that. Because that'll also touch on, you know, where you and I tend to overlap as mm-hmm. well. And for me, my journey as an entrepreneur, um, be, well, my journey as an entre- entrepreneur began before even my my personal development. You know, I was I always joke around that when you start a business, that's like the the quickest way to uh, to develop your personal self. <laughs> yeah, no, no kid, man, it's like a crash course in self development. <laughs> Specifically, the areas you don't want to exactly <laughs> see. It's, yeah, exactly. You got to grow up quick, man. That's right. And um, and for me personally, you know, I've I've seen this paralleled with others that I've talked to, but for me personally, it started in physical health. You know, and that stems from my my background as a kid and being into sports and nutrition. And, you know, that was really, you know, I would say my first key passion in life. And um, I reconnected with that in my personal growth and personal development journey, you know, as an entrepreneur and kind of getting back to those roots, Mm -hmm. you know, as I was trying to maintain my energy and balance myself and and perform at my best. And uh, so for me, it starts with physical health. And then that really quickly branches into mental health, mm. you know, and um, and then from there, spiritual health. And then, you know, and I, for a long time, I thought that those were the three pillars, yeah. you know, and you could throw in emotional health, but sometimes it's, it could be mental or spiritual. But those were my three pillars for years. And in the last two years, it's expanded beyond that. Mm. Um you know, I, I, I was thinking about this the other day. Those those three are it's almost like the internal mm development and it's funny too because um the name of my brand the name of my my, my company is grow io mm. which is inner outer and it's we spell it like the power button you know how you have the i and the o yep. with the line through it and um so that would be the inner health outer health you know once you once you dial in and align with the line those things um and start to kind of figure out what works for you uh then you've got that that outer health right then you've got uh, relationships, um, purpose, you know, what, what's your mission and, and what type of, what's the health of the impact you're creating in your, in your outer world. And money's a part of that too. Mm. You know, money is the current between energy, Mm. you know, or, 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 um, I should say, let me, let me, let me pause, but, uh, yeah, money, it's the ultimate exchange of value, you know, time, all of that stuff. And so, all of these things are interconnected and um and and like you said jade where we're where we're at in the outer world right now especially since since 2020 um there's a lot changing mm. you know and um i think a lot of people you know we've all had our our version of a somewhat similar experience um maybe differing on that internal level and um there, but what I've witnessed is there's, again, there's these common themes. There's, you know, depending on where somebody's at with their journey, these last two catalytic years, you know, have kind of forced us all to go inside and, and start to rearrange and realign with what's working now. Hmm. You know, not what we were doing on autopilot for the, you know, for in our, in our families, in our jobs, you know, when, when, when businesses shut down and, we had to figure out and adapt and, you know, people working from home, uh, you know, doing, you know, doing with less, figuring out what's important in life. And I'm speaking materially and, yeah. and in relationships. 
you know. Um, yeah, it's almost like it's a wake up call to purpose for a lot of people and those who don't really understand that. I know certainly I've had a lot more conversations from people about that aspect of what I do versus the health and fitness aspect of what I do. It's like so I know we all have been sort of struggling with that, but then there's a lot of questions that come up you know, at the beginning of that. So I always talk about the hero's journey as being this lightning strike moment that sets us down a path. Well, it seems like we had a lightning strike moment Mm -hmm. to happen to all of us in tandem. Mm -hmm. And we're all kind of trying to figure it out, which in one regard is scary, but in another regard, it's kind of like, Hey, well, we're all in this together. And uh, there are certain things that we all need to know. And, you know, we can teach and learn. Absolutely. Yeah. And, 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 and then learning how to navigate, you know, that, you know, what, what, as over these last two years, you know, like you said, we had the lightning strike moment. People are kind of addressing whatever's coming up for them, both in relationships and, and in, maybe in business or maybe in their outer worlds and, um, or maybe it's physical health. Mm. Right. Um, and so now we're at a place where, you know, we're starting to see it's, it's like I said, it's been two years now. We've had some different phases. And uh, we're at a place where people seem to be trying to, you know, really dial in, well, where, where, where is this all leading, right? Where, where am I going now? You know, it's almost like there's this, there's this awareness phase. And then, you know, depending on how long that takes, you go to the acceptance phase, mm-hmm. you know, or, and that's just kind of acknowledging this is, this is what I'm facing now, you know, and being honest with yourself. And then going from that acceptance to, okay, well, what, what are we going to do now? Mm-hmm. You know, now you know, based on how I'm feeling, based on what's going on. Yeah. And there's a lot of talk right now too about, and this is, I guess, can segue us into this discussion. I hear it a lot about, you know, people, you just hear buzz. For example, my business partner's always talking about there's potentially a big recession coming. Things are changing monetarily. You know, I hear a lot of my friends and family talking about that, different conversations about, oh, the housing market, this, or, oh, the stock market, that. And then obviously cryptocurrency discussion. So I'm wondering for you, uh, why don't we start there with this discussion? What would you say for all of us who are sort of, um, you know, I don't know. I would say I'm the amateur. I don't know how many of you listening are amateurs, but I certainly am. But what would you say for someone like myself or all of us, let's say, who are hearing these conversations and going, okay, what does all this mean? And uh, is there any hints or overarching themes you can begin to kind of set our mind right about what is happening currently financially in all the different markets and what we need to be aware of moving forward? And I'm specifically interested in what is, uh, you know, what role is is cryptocurrency going to play, if any? Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. And it's, um, <sighs> I'm trying to decide where to start. You know, there's so many layers, but mm-hmm. I, what I will say is um, for me, and I want to clarify how I came to this focus, mm-hmm. you know, because I said over the last two years for me personally, um, you know, I, I started, I, I forget how I got down the rabbit hole of, of going, you know, learning more about uh, the changes in the financial system, specifically as they related to the changes we were seeing with businesses and, and, and that post-COVID time. And, uh, and as I, as I did, was doing my research and I, and I do have a background in, in finance as well. Um, about 10, 12 years ago, I worked for a publicly traded company, mm. um, was more like the, you know, the personal finance coach and loved it. Wasn't the right container at the right time. Mm. And so now here I find myself in that kind of 
reconnecting with that passion that I once had. And, um, and then of course, pulling in all those pieces that I've had experienced along the way in, in, in business and, and entrepreneurship. And, and, um, and so it's, it's interesting for me because I, you know, I have that, that, that kind of like old paradigm foundational knowledge of, of traditional, you know, investing and, and how the, the financial markets work. But then now as, as we've experienced all these shifts, I can kind of look back and see this is where, this is what I felt like was missing then. Mm. And I know I'm, I'm being a little general here. I'll get, I'll get more specific, but to understand what we're going through now, we kind of need to go back and, and, and look at the history. Yeah. That's, 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 that's where I'd like to start. And, then we, can, and then we can go forward as you know, where, where this is leading to. Um, when you think back to, for most people listening, I, I'm sure most people would remember the 2008 financial collapse, mm. right? Um, that was predominantly in the housing sector and, um, you know, created a bubble in the housing sector. There were basically a series of, uh, loan, everybody was getting a loan without proof of income. Mm-hmm. So it was like, if you wanted, if you wanted a, a mortgage, all you had to say was how much you wanted. And, and I, I know it sounds like I'm exaggerating, mm-hmm. but that was, that was literally the reality. There was no proof. The proof of income was very, very lenient. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, there was the, the money was there. Right. And so then people start buying homes that they can't really afford with their income. They can't afford the mortgage payments. Um, the way that those, uh, you know, mortgages were structured they were in a way that kind of ballooned after a certain period of time as well and so it created this crescendo moment back in 2008 where the bubble finally burst Mm -hmm. and um and in response to that really what we're experiencing now is just a delayed symptom of that time but then you could probably say that that time was a delayed symptom of previous Mm. eras or previous moments as well um but we'll focus on this one and and, and what they did in response, and I say they, I mean the central banks, the Federal Reserve, right? The top of the, of the financial industry globally. And um, they basically just, they did a few things um, that are affecting us now, predominantly expanding their balance sheet. Mm-hmm. And so at the time in 2008, the Federal Reserve balance sheet, meaning like all the assets that are managed by the Federal Reserve was about $900 billion, mm-hmm. which is a lot. Um, now it's 4.4 trillion. Wow. <laughs> Their balance sheet. Yeah. That's yeah. Right. So this is like, mm. it's like what they, what they're allowed to absorb from the economy. Cause they're kind of like a buffer. If yeah. you know what I mean? Like if there's government debt, if the government needs money, they issue bonds, mm. right? Those like government bonds are just sovereign debt mm. saying, Hey, like you buy these bonds and in 10, 20, 30 years, the government will, 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 will reimburse you on those bonds at a fixed interest rate or yeah. at a certain interest rate. And so, uh, the biggest buyer of bonds is central banks, ah, Federal Reserve. Yeah. And that's how the system perpetuates itself. So, really, what, what, you know, what we're all starting to awaken to um, since 2008 and specifically now is uh, what happens to a debt-based economy you know we hear i'm sure you know many people hear that like oh yeah we're a debt-based economy or you know it's a big you know credit-based you could say that but uh when you really dig into that and look under the hood if something is based on debt well what you know what creates something is what sustains something right the energy that creates is the energy that that sustains Mm -hmm. and so a, a system created by debt can only be sustained by more debt. Yeah. 
And that's why the that's why we see the Federal Reserve Central Banks printing more and more money anytime there's a crisis, right? Anytime there's uh, whether it's health crisis, wars, you know, there's just kind of like this carousel of events that require them to print more money. That money gets printed into the economy. They're able to print it by buying up the debt of the government, buying up corporate debt. And so that's how they went. This all started. They went from $900 billion to $4.4 trillion uh, in a little over a decade. Now, when my when I hear that, I see that as well. Two things happen. I'm like one one of the, that's a huge increase, right? The first thing, and the second part, and so then I immediately go, that must be bad. But then the other part of the way my brain works, I'm like, well, if they can just keep printing money, and all the individuals see money, as long as we keep seeing it has that value, which is really decided by us, if we still have trust in that currency, what's wrong with that? You know, I know that's probably a very naive way of saying it, but that's kind of how my brain, that's about the level of understanding I have for this. So one goes, that's huge. Maybe that's bad. And the other part of me goes, well, what's wrong with just continuing to print money? You're exactly right. Mm-hmm. And when we start to hear numbers, I don't remember, I don't know the exact, I think there's a study that shows that after a certain number, our human minds just kind of say, oh, that's a lot. Yeah, I can't even fathom 4.4 right? 4 trillion, right? Like the like- difference between, I really wish I could remember, but like the difference between say 100 million and a trillion in your mind, it's like a lot and a, and a lot, a lot. Mm-hmm. But then a trillion is what, like a thousand millions. Yeah, it's insane. And then you're just like, yeah, you, you know, it's like light lost. years. <laughs> you know, when <laughs> exactly. you start, it's like when you measure things in space, mm-hmm. you just kind of like, all right, that's just. Too, too big of a number you can fathom. Can't comprehend. Yeah. And so, when you have that, most, like you said, most people, it's kind of like, it's hard to analyze it. Mm. You know, it, it sounds like a lot. Like you said, your initial reaction is it sounds bad, but like, you know, it's, it's, it seems to have worked up to now, mm. right? Um, however, we have seen crises along the way mm. and, and where we're headed now, um, in my personal opinion, and I'm an optimist, mm. you'll find, I mean, you'll, you'll realize that soon, but um, even though this initial piece sounds a little bit scary, scary, mm. um, that's just the reality. You know, when you keep borrowing more debt and anybody out there that's had, you know, d- debt issues or, or credit cards, you know, kind of getting the better of them, then they could probably attest to this. It's like when you start borrowing more to pay off debt and then you have to borrow more to pay off that debt and it just, bel- it starts to snowball and you were saying, well, you know, what's wrong? Can it just continue to snowball forever? Mm. And they, they've certainly tried. Mm. Uh, but what, what's going, what's kind of happening now and why I believe, um, you know, this could, this could be, this could all pop next week, mm. uh, next month, mm. next year, mm. you know, potentially. But I feel personally sooner than later. Um, and we can go into more detail on why. But uh, the fact of the matter is once they've, once they've uh, printed to the level that they've printed, leading up to 2020 because like i said this all started this this was in a in a to address the 2008 crisis right the printing more money the buying up more debt and we're just now feeling the effects of that now and they just and and so it you know and then they quietly expand their balance sheet so that they can keep doing it but like if you know as a business owner uh, entrepreneur like if you just keep increasing uh imagine if you had the ability to just keep increasing your balance sheet beyond what you could sustain um, I think the I think the Federal Reserve owns close to half of all long term government issued bonds. Mm. So they're just 
So as the government spends more money, then the then the Federal Reserve is buying up that that debt that they're holding on the books forever and ever. And eventually, what's going to happen is is the interest rates of those of the the yield of those of those bonds is going to start to go up as demand goes down because. You know, we've talked about how it is at the top, right? Like those are the, that's like the central banks, the governments, right? They're buying up all this debt. Well, what, what do we mean by debt at the very bottom level, mm-hmm. right? Where does debt start? Well, it starts with us, with you and me. Mm-hmm. We go out and get a credit card. We go get, we go get a mortgage. We borrow money from the branch bank. The branch bank, then uh, there's something called the fractional reserve system, which means for every dollar, that the bank lends out, they can, they can, it counts as 10 on their books. Mm. And that's how that, that also contributes to inflation. Right. And so if I deposit a thousand dollars at the bank, then the bank can turn around and lend out $10,000 to somebody else without having you. So it's just, you see what I mean? I'm starting to see how that absolutely is getting, can get us in trouble at some point. You know, someone's going to be coming and calling and the money's not going to be there. And that's it, you know, because it's just circling through the global economy where, you know, some government, you know, you you see some countries have cycles of recession, cycles of expansion. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they can like Central Bank of Japan could buy more bonds at one time. But then when they're not doing, you know, so it's kind of fluctuated back and forth. But we've been building this house of cards ever since. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, you know, it's kind of like a game of musical chairs. You know, at some point, somebody's going to be holding the bag. Mm -hmm. And at some point, um, we're starting to see this now with housing prices, you know, because as more debt gets bought up and bought up, like the price of uh, if money is just printed for free, right? If capital is, is just created out of backed by nothing, Mm -hmm. then eventually, you know, the demand's going to go down. Like the prices are going to go up. People are starting, and then as inflation goes up and people are in more debt, they're not going to have that same liquidity. Mm. And so it's what we're seeing coming or starting to develop is a liquidity crisis, which is the amount of liquid money or capital that can circulate through the system. And if I'm correct on this, then the more that begins to happen, the more people put less money into the economy. Mm. And then the government has to come in and do the same thing. Exactly. Again. Or, or like we saw a couple of years ago where, you know, businesses, the economy is pretty much shut down and it was kind of a crisis moment. So then the government, you know, it's like, here's a stimulus check, here's mm-hmm. a supplemental income to, to, to allow these businesses or people to survive. And that's, that's not coming from GDP. That's not coming from productivity. That's just coming from printing more money, hitting a button. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So what, so what then with this and, and the way I'm processing this, so I'll just repeat back what I think. And then maybe you can correct me. Cause I know like, and maybe some of you listening, this will be the same for you. Whenever I've, I learn this kind of stuff, I always feel my brain bouncing back and forth. Like I talked about before when I'm like, yeah. this sounds horrible. Then two, I'm like, well, is it? So what, what it sounds like to me that you're saying is we've created a situation in our monetary system where we've got this central bank sort of in the middle of the government who is sort of buffering all the negative effects of the way we're managing our income from the way we get in debt at the bottom of the barrel to the way the government sort of responds to that. And then we have this central bank sort of in the middle that's saying, okay, we'll just keep printing money. So the way, I guess the way my my brain would be working is sort of like the the central bank is like the rainmaker 
You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. basically turning on the rain whenever we're getting into a drought. Mm-hmm. And up until this point, it's like, okay, we have a severe drought. We're going to make it rain again. And at some point, I guess what you're hinting at is the clouds are going to go away and they're not going to be able to make it rain anymore. And then what happens? Am I sort of getting that correct? You are, because when it's a debt-based economy, I said you could say debt-based or what? Productivity-based. Productivity-based feels more natural, doesn't it? Mm. Like you produce something, it creates money, or you produce something, it expands growth, Mm. right? Creation begets growth. Mm. I've been describing a form of capitalism where capital is, we're saying, is not necessarily Based on any value. Based on productivity mm. or creation. Mm. It's just, they, it's like, it, you know, so, so, so if you, if you take out and I'm, I'm hitting at global, you know, GDP. So mm. like the, the, the productivity of all businesses in the country mm. and, and the more success, the average or the aggregate of the U S businesses out there are doing, then that should, that would help fully inflate the economy in a mm. good way right because it's backed by productivity it's yeah. backed by goods and services when you're just printing money without being backed by productivity it's not really capitalism mm. or it's broken and so it's like you're that's what they mean by creating out of thin, you know there's nothing to back it up with so and, what would that's really interesting so what will we call this kind of if we can't call it a pure capitalism then what is it that's a great question. It's mm-hmm. um, it's really it's a it's a way. I mean, you know, we could take this in a few different ways, and maybe maybe at a later conversation. Mm-hmm. But um, when you look at this, when you look at where systems design like this go, then th- where you have this snake eating its tail mm-hmm. to continue to spin, you know, and at as a result, who bears the burden through taxes or through um, all of a sudden, hey, you can't open your business, you know. So it's like really all these shots, all these policies are being created with without our direct input, mm-hmm. and 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 on top of that, most people have no idea how this works because mm-hmm. we're not taught it in schools. You know, I talked about this last time. Yeah, like, we don't learn these things unless until we get into maybe upper education mm-hmm. or we educate ourselves. And um, and even if we do, it just seems like at this point it's so complex. That, you know, you kind of like you were saying, you just with the amount of money involved in the numbers you're talking about, you can throw up your arms and kind of be like, all right. And then I guess this is the other thing. And maybe this will, you know, you might want to take this in any direction. Part of what I do when I hear this, these kind of doomsday scenarios, you know, like I hear a lot of people saying, you know, the whole economy is going to collapse at some point. We can't sustain what we're doing. And part of me at that point goes, you know, if that's the case, it's basically you know, it is a doomsday type of scenario. Like, how are we then getting out of that? And then I think, well, there's, you know, there's other technologies, perhaps maybe we go back to, you know, a barter system where I'm walking down to you being like, you know, you have the eggs, I have the milk. I don't know. But is this where and why uh, cryptocurrency has become uh, is it actual a potential solution to this problem or is it just another one of these you know, things that's going to come and go? Or do you see it as, oh, there is actually some kind of technology here that may actually 
um, help us uh, get over this? I, obviously, I imagine it's still going to be painful, but uh, is that the case or not? You know, when you said doomsday scenario, I thought of the word apocalypse and mm -hmm. most people kind of equate the two. But yeah. really, an apocalypse is just the changing of the times. Mm. You know, which can, you know, if you're focused on the, the, the negative, then it seems like the end of times, mm. right? But every end has a new beginning. And yeah. so that's kind of where we're at now, this financial apocalypse, mm. right? But if I say that, it sounds very dramatic. Because yeah, but I like the way you frame it because it's like, okay, it's a death of something, but a birth of something else. Exactly. And so if we can just, if we can feel maybe that initial fear or contraction when you, when you hear that emotional or that emotional charge, when you hear that phrase, that's good because it gets your attention. Mm. But also know that like, like you just said, there's every death gives, gives form to something new mm. and you know, the whole world's not going to just evaporate. Mm. So we're going to have, there's going to be something on the other side of this mm. crisis, right? Whether it's bartering, mm. bartering or, you know, um, honestly, a majority of where we're at now is also due to the fact that we are no longer an asset backed currency, mm. like the, the dollar, the US dollar bill. Uh, has not been backed by any physical asset since 1971 when Nixon took, Nixon took us off the gold standard. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's when they gained the ability to just print regardless of it being actually tied to the value of something tangible mm -hmm. like gold. Mm -hmm. Right. And so um, I think that a, a newer version of that is where we are headed, mm -hmm. where we're, you know, it's just, it is unsustainable, you know, and any system is unsustainable without fuel. Mm. So and when you say a newer system of that, meaning a newer system, uh, another system that is based off some kind of tangible thing of value, like we had gold was the value and then our currency was based off that value. So you're saying maybe where we're going next is we have something mm -hmm. like obviously it won't be the gold standard, but like something else or could it be the gold standard? I don't know. It could. Mm -hmm. And honestly, it could be a combination. It could mm -hmm. be a bat. You know, a lot of people talk about having a, a asset, uh, you know, like a basket of commodities or a basket of currencies that do support uh, the new dollar, if you will. And so it, maybe it's gold. Mm. Um, but even if it is something like, let's just use gold as an example. Um, these new digital currencies and digital assets, cryptocurrencies, whatever you want to call them there, that's, what's going to, uh, really allow us to get the best of both worlds, right. To, to have the stability that we had when physical gold was backing the U.S. dollar, but with these new technologies, we'll be able to manage that much more efficiently and effectively, mm. um, you know, where you can actually tie each of or, you know, code in each of these currencies to a specific amount of gold held in reserve, mm. fully, um, fully redeemable and that, that sort of thing. Mm. And so it's really the, the technology that's going to get us out of this is um, what's called digital ledger technology. Mm. And that's just a very basic um, identifier of, of crypto of most cryptocurrencies mm. is that it's the functionality of a, of having a ledger, like a financial ledger, you know, like a balance sheet, if mm. you will, uh, that, that is connected to the, to the global economy. Let me interrupt the show just for a few minutes because I want to tell you about one of our sponsors, Evolve telemed one of the questions i get all of the time one of the services that you are asking me for constantly is hormone replacement therapy women 
going through menopause, women going through perimenopause, women in postmenopause, women under stressful situations who are dealing with low sex hormone levels, estrogen and progesterone are constantly asking me about progesterone therapy or estrogen and progesterone therapy. And men, same thing, constantly asking me about testosterone replacement therapy. Plenty of you, many of you always asking, Jade, can you prescribe me hormones? I need testosterone if you're a man or I need estrogen and progesterone or testosterone if you're a woman. And I always have to say that I am no longer seeing patients in this way because my educational duties are keeping me so busy. And this is where Evolve Telemed comes in. I have been looking for a company that does bio-identical hormone replacement therapy, and that is critically important. If you're going to be doing HRT or TRT, HRT being hormone replacement therapy for women, TRT being testosterone replacement therapy for men, if you are going to do these therapies, you want the bio-identical hormones. You want the hormones that your body makes naturally, that your body can recognize, that is no different from the hormones your body would make if you were making adequate levels. Bio-identical hormone replacement therapy does just this. And Evolve Telemed is a company that I am now using for my own testosterone replacement needs and have been super impressed with the way that they have structured their business model. And so I am now bringing this service to you through my partnership with Evolve Telemed. Essentially, the way this works is you go online, you make an appointment with Evolve, Evolve gets a doctor with you on a Zoom call. They go through your whole case. They go through your blood labs. They then prescribe your hormones directly to you and you can get those hormones wherever you are. You do not have to go to a clinic near you. All you need is to have an internet access point and you can meet with an expert in bioidentical hormone replacement therapy and get those prescriptions. Now you can see why this is so powerful, can't you? Because this is something that so many of us need and can benefit from for our aging needs, our sexual health needs. These things have profound impact on mood, hair, skin, erections, libido, you name it. These things do everything for our metabolic health and vitality. So I am incredibly excited to bring Evolve Telemed to you. Now, the link that you go to is drjade.com slash hormones. drjade.com slash hormones. This will bring you to the Evolve Telemed portal. If you use the code next level, you will get a discount on checkout for your first patient visit. I'm very excited to be able to bring this to you, and I hope you will use Evolve Telemed. I know you're going to find it extremely powerful to move your hormone needs over to them. Check them out, Evolve Telemed. Use the link drjade.com slash hormones, drjade.com slash hormones for Evolve Telemed. And let's get back to the show. So when you say ledger, let me just make sure I understand this because this I've heard this described cryptocurrency before. So when I think of a ledger, I think about you come to me and say, hey, Jade, I want to buy something. And I say, OK, I have it. I'm going to sell it to you for this amount. And we make that deal. And then we put it in a book. 
you know, Brandon paid Jade X amount for this particular product. And then that's in a book. So if there's any other, any dispute or anything like that, we can go and see Mm -hmm. and say, oh, right here on this particular date, Brandon paid Jade this and that, and Jade gave this piece. So if that's the case, then the computer is what? Codifying that, solidifying that, and making that permanent in a record so that we can make sure that what you have the actual dollars to pay me and I have the actual goods to provide you. And that it's, uh, that's where I kind of get lost. And then I go, okay, so what's the, what happens next and why is having this digital ledger, uh, important versus what we used to do? Yeah. So the, 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 the ledger is the network, mm. right? And these, a lot of these cryptocurrencies, it's just, it's just a new, like it's, it's newer, um, they're just newer networks. They're like mm-hmm. software companies, mm-hmm. right? And and the digital ledger is the network. So, uh, and the net, you've heard the term blockchain before, yeah. right? And yeah. so, uh, the way that these networks are encrypted or coded or designed, it's through cryptography. Mm-hmm. And so, um, which makes it theoretically unhackable, yeah. immutable. Mm-hmm. So, it'd be like having a ledger that you can't keep counterfeiting, you know, because yeah, we've yeah. had digital ledgers mm-hmm for decades, mm. but they weren't coded in the similar way. They weren't built on the blockchain. And with mm. the blockchain, um, the way, you know, what that, what that, what that coding does is it, it create, it makes it very hard to change. Like each block in the chain mm. contains data from the block previously. And so other computers are checking it, each other, right? To, so constantly. that you can't, you can't hack it because it's not in it's one central thing. Yeah. It's distributed. a distributed ledger, right? So there's nodes, you know, whether it's per, you know, all the way down to personal computers, mm. you know, holders as holders of these currencies, you are part of that network. Mm. And that's where a lot of people, I think, um, misunderstand what these assets are. Mm. You know, we're used to, to the stock market. Mm. When I buy stock in Apple, I own a piece of Apple, the mm. company, right? Yeah. Uh, when you buy a digital asset, you're not buying uh, stock in a company. Mm. These are, these are, these are, com- these are more like commodities. These are networks. Mm. You're buying a piece of the infrastructure, mm. right? Because like you said, if, if the, if the ledger is distributed amongst thousands of nodes all over the world or hundreds of thousands, um, depending on the network, each one is a component of that. So mm. each holder of the asset, it's like holding a piece that's necessary for that network to keep running. And so would it be the case then that each of us, you know, when, when we buy in, the more distributed it gets, the safer it gets and the more unhackable it gets. So I guess the way I'm looking at it is I'm saying, okay, we have this distributed ledger. It's not just on your computer. It's not just on my computer. It's not just on a thousand people's computers. It's on hundreds of thousands or millions of people's computers, you know, and they're all essentially checking. So if I, on my computer tried to do something fishy, mm-hmm. all these other computers would essentially say, nope, that's wrong. Invalid. Um, invalid. So we're not going to, you know, deal with that because we all don't agree and all these computers sort of have to agree. Mm-hmm. So the more distributed it gets, sounds like uh, the better it is. That's right. And, and this, that brings up an interesting point or a hot topic in, um, the digital asset world, which is centralization versus decentralization. Mm. And that's really where, you know, that's another theme of where we're headed to, you know, the old financial system is very centralized. We talked about central banks. It's in the word. Yeah. Right. And so, um, it had to be because we didn't have that 
type of um, cryptography, that type of security with a what called a trustless network, mm. right? This these this blockchain network, this distributed ledger technology is trustless because, like you said, like you don't have to trust somebody or some government or some bank or something that your transactions are going to go the way they're supposed to go. Yeah, it's built into the technology; it, it runs it's, itself. It's just you, you make the transaction goes on the ledger, mm. right, forever, mm. and it's public. It's anonymous, but it's public. Yeah. Um, and it can be, you know, it can, obviously we can trace certain things and, you know, anyway, um, but that's, that's basically it, you know? And so, so the old system, the centralized system, you know, without that type of security, we had to know who to hold accountable. Hmm. We had to know who to go to if, uh, you know, somebody stole our credit card, hmm. right? A fraudulent charge, you call the bank, bank says, we'll take care of it. We'll look into it. We'll investigate it. Right. And so we had to have some entity that we could go to that, you know, Bank of America can't, um, you know, if they were to drop the ball and try to scam people, they, you know, they would lose their business. Mm -hmm. Like the whole, you know, be in all over the news. Mm -hmm. Right. And so um, in, in, in exchange for that uh, gatekeepership, if you will, mm -hmm. they charge a fee. Right. So that they can keep track. It's a closed network, mm -hmm. you know, that they have to keep track of who's using it. So if something were to fail or go wrong or some sort of fraud happens, money laundering, they have to be able to track it, right? And this and and where we're moving towards more of a decentralized economy, um, we're able to do that through this digital ledger. And and that way it doesn't have to have the same type of centralized gatekeepers, right? Like hmm. I could just directly send you value, money, currency, whatever it is, um, and we can get more into that too. Uh, without going through the bank. Yeah. Does that okay. make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. And let me, uh, let me try to get us caught up again. I just, I, I like to repeat a lot for yeah. the listeners and also I, I just want you to check me. So if I'm understanding this, uh, right now, the big problem in our current situation is one, we don't have anything based on value. So we're off the gold standard and we got no kind of asset there mm -hmm. to. So what we are, have been doing is just printing money, printing money, printing money. So every time we get into a financial scare, like in 2008 or the dot-com bubble or whatever it is, the government essentially uh, has to have the central bank come in and make it rain and print more money. And then things are okay for a while until it catches up with us again. And it seems like these things you know, are getting closer and closer. Maybe I'm just paying more and more attention to them, but it seems like they're happening pretty much every decade. There's a big one now, and it seems like that's sort of the case. So that what we're saying, we're hypothesizing that that is uh, a problem. And that we can't sustain that anymore. And what you're painting is this whole idea of like, that's not, if I'm understanding correctly, like that's just not going to last. And there's going to be some pain involved with this. But there is a silver lining because we do have these new digital technologies that work off the blockchain, that work off this ledger that uh, is not hackable, that it doesn't involve, you know, a central bank getting involved or a middleman. It basically just is a trustless system that essentially regulates itself so that we know we can't hack it. And we know if you want to pay me something, I know you have it. You it's all sort of uh, within that particular system and that perhaps this is what is going to save us. Now, one question about that is what are these digital currencies mm -hmm. 
based off of? Like what asset is behind them then? If it's not the gold standard, like I know they're, you know, with Bitcoin, I believe it was that you were actually doing mining and the electricity, the cost of the electricity was the sort of production behind that. But that seems like that could cause a ton of problems because eventually it gets super expensive and you're just running up electrical bills or whatever. So are they based on anything? Are these things based on anything of value? They are. They're, um, you know, it goes back to to kind of that, that analogy I was making with the stock market where uh, when you buy these digital assets, and I'll, I'll get into more specific which ones, um, you're buying a piece of the network. So, mm. they're backed by their network. I see. Right. If I just print do- a dollar bill is a piece of paper, mm-hmm. right? Or less than that, it's a number on a screen. Yeah. You know, the, the asset, you know, we'll, we'll start with Bitcoin because it was the first. Mm. Um, there's only 12, or excuse me, there's only 21 million Bitcoin ever. Mm. So it's scarce. It's finite. Mm. They can't print more. They can't create more. Uh, that's the max supply. Mm. Now, the way that we, um, the way that that system operates, like you said, is built based on mining, mm. right? Which is what is mining? It's uh, it's 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 having a, a hardware, computer hardware that can solve super complex cryptographic crypto, cryptographic equations, mm. basically. Um, strings of code that are going to secure the network yeah. and um and, and it is very energy intensive but you know bitcoin was developed in 2009 mm. it's 2022 yeah right so um, yeah i always joke around it's like well what phones were we using back in 20, 20, 2009 mm. right so so bitcoin very important uh you know it's kind of a watershed moment where all of a sudden it's like this whole new paradigm this new option right it introduced the world to blockchain technology mm. but with bitcoin it's very limited in what it can and cannot do mm. right and so with bitcoin as a ledger you've got how much you're sending and from from who to who it's like three three pieces of information mm. the amount being sent who the sender and receiver are yeah that's it and it's it's it takes several hours for that to clear. Mm. So it's a very it's a, it's on the slower side of, of compared to most digital assets. So maybe faster than what we currently have, but slower for digital assets. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. Compared to you know um, sending money, wiring money to somebody mm. across the world, it is it is faster. I mean, you're looking at four or five days on mm. average doing the traditional wiring. But um, with Bitcoin, still kind of slow. Um, you know, we, we can't introduce conditions, mm. right? And so, a lot of these newer assets uh, expand on those basic, uh, you know, uh, identifiers, if you will, and you can start creating if-then statements. So, instead of just me sending, you know, instead of the data getting recorded, just say, hey, I'm Jade, I'm sending you $10 mm. over this network. It's like, if you do this, then you receive this. And you can create, you know, just like any program, you can if this, super- this, and that happens forever, right? Yeah. yeah, and you could so contracts they call them smart contracts, mm-hmm. right? And um, and this is just where we're evolving. So, you know, Bitcoin, like I said, um, kind of woke us up to a new way of doing things, doing finance. Um, but it sounds like what you're saying is you're hinting at it's not going to be the thing. And it sounds like uh, if I'm hearing you correctly, it's because it's old, it can't do much, and that it's you know, digital ter- currencies have come a long way. And, and the mining is unsustainable. And the mining is unsustainable. You know, there's, there's, uh, the people have done the math and if just 10% of the world's population were to adopt Bitcoin mm. as this solution to, right, that, that, the financial crisis that we talked about, if Bitcoin was to be the, the, the chosen one, 
if just 10% of the world utilized Bitcoin, it would require the full capacity of our planet's energy capacity. Like, which right now, until we up. find some new, some new energy sources, is not is right? not a good thing if you're someone who's worried about you know climate change and things like that. So yeah, I've heard that argument as well. So then if, you know um, to kind of obviously this is going to be a discussion you and I can continue to have on here, and I hope you'll do that with us. But uh, sort of to begin to give the, uh, the listener some things to think about. Mm-hmm. So. If we're moving in that direction, Mm -hmm. digital currencies, and if it looks like what we're, the current model is unsustainable, um, what would you be telling us to become aware of? Because immediately my my mind goes, okay, like I've got some money in a 401k. I've got some money in like a traditional savings account. Like, you know, I had some money in Bitcoin, small amount, you know, but I'm pretty much your, you know, your average person that has, you know, some money. I just bought this house with some money locked up in this, right? Uh, but that's it. So to me, it's all based, you know, when I'm looking at, you know, looking at myself, I'm like all my stuff is based on the old model, right? So I don't have anything, you know, in this new model. Now, is that a problem for me? What should I be thinking about? And, uh, if, if there is a digital currency that we know is going to be or a, a way that we should be thinking about it, because I know there's a lot out there. Mm. And I guess people like you are probably spending an awful lot of time trying to figure out which of these things to, you know, pay attention to and begin to invest in. So how should we then, uh, as individuals who are locked into this current system, how should we be beginning to think about what to do with our money now? That's a great question. Mm. And um, almost an impossible question. Well, I I appreciate the framing because as you were saying it, you know, we can get as you as you guys can tell, you know, we can get real in the weeds on the tech tech side Mm -hmm. and it gets real heady and complicated and, you know, and and how the network, you know, it's like tech companies. Right. So taking a step back from all of that, um, you know, based on where we are with the economy and everything we started out this conversation with. The most important thing I feel like people need to understand yesterday is to protect yourself at any time, mm-hmm. your wealth, at any time, certainly now, certainly when things are chaotic, is owning real assets, mm-hmm. real tangible assets. If what we've talked about indicates, if, there, if we can all agree there's a problem with having just money or value created out of thin air, then whatever comes as a result of that, those that make the decision now, sooner than later, soon before we get, before the, the, the fire gets even hotter mm. than it already is, to invest whatever fiat currency they have, right? If this, would you rather have cash, right? Or would you rather have something of actual value? Mm. And so finding a way, no matter where you are in your income uh, journey, to start buying tangible limited assets right oh that's interesting hard assets so maybe you're really into real estate mm. you know and you and some people have a lot of success there you know um real estate market right now is in a certain cycle right um but you know at certain times as you can find great deals there and and what you can say no matter what is over the over the long over the long haul real estate's done very well mm. it just appreciates you know we go it has its ups and downs but um land is not typically going to become less valuable, right? Mm-hmm. There's only so much land. There's only so many houses and people keep growing, yeah. right? The population keeps growing. So that's a, it's a great asset to own gold and silver, mm-hmm. precious metals. 
It's been used for money for thousands of years. Mm. Always been worth have has a value, not just uh, as money, but also aesthetics. Mm. Right? It has an aesthetic value, mm. and it has a utility to mm. it. Gold and silver, precious metals, platinum, all of that is used in these new technologies, right? Like our phones, our cars, catalytic converters mm. are are predominantly made out of palladium, platinum, those types of precious metals. Mm. And so they will always have a utility, right? They'll always be worth something, no matter what the dollar's worth or what, you know, what crisis we're dealing with. These, these, these assets will always have a relative value. Would we consider things like owning a part of a business, stock? Would that be considered an asset versus just cash? It sure would. Okay. It sure would. And, you know, and we could, we could go into more detail on, on which, you know, some people would say some are better than others, mm -hmm. but it's really about timing. Yeah. They all have their own life cycles. They, there's, there's good times to invest. There's mm -hmm. less good times to invest. So um, probably a topic for another discussion because that gets into the weeds as well. It does. But let me, uh, so let me just feedback one more time sort of what I'm, I'm hearing. So we have this issue with the traditional way that we manage our finances. So um, if I'm hearing you correctly, you know, the old model used to be uh, in my mind, it's like, oh, hold on to your cash. You know, cash is sort mm -hmm. of king. Mm -hmm. um, if I'm hearing you correctly, it sounds like what you're saying is that perhaps that cash that you might be holding on to is not going to be worth what it was worth and that you might want to actually be putting that stuff into something that is um you know more tangible a home a, uh, a brick and mortar you know building um something you could rent out mm -hmm. you know uh precious metals that kind of thing digital currencies digital because currency. a lot of them now not all of them mm -hmm. like you said there's 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 a there's a we're kind of in the wild west still and there's there's close to 20,000, at least 20,000 cryptocurrencies on the market. Yeah. So how would we have, maybe that's the final thing we can do in this particular hour or, you know, a little bit is like, just talk a little bit about, and obviously pick this up later, but talk a little bit about how are you evaluating these things? Because for sure. me, I'm like, actually, I have some money I would put into something if I kind of understood, right? But I'm sure a lot of people are like, if I knew what to put my money into, of course I would, but what do I put my money into? Right. That's a great question because, you know, like with all those choices, it, it, there's a high chance that you might get it wrong, mm -hmm. right? And especially, you know, so so doing the research, if you don't have time, you know, finding somebody that you do trust mm -hmm. that is doing their research mm -hmm. and can show it to you. And, uh, you know, when I look at an asset, when I'm when I'm evaluating any sort of asset, there's there's really five main criteria. You know, first- is who's the team hmm. who made it you know what was their mission hmm. you know what's their purpose right uh number number two is the partnership so not just the in-house team but who are they connecting with right what what other uh large entities you know whether it's uh, governments or businesses or you know who are they partnering with in the world right to accomplish that mission so team partnerships uh the the uh, supply of that asset, right? So when I'm when I'm looking at a cryptocurrency or digital asset, it's like, well, how many are there? You know, is this something that just can they can keep creating more of? Mm. You know, some do, right? Some you can just keep mining more of. Uh, so you want to make sure it's scarce. You want to make sure it has a finite supply. The lower the better, because mm. the less the supply, uh, as that gains adoption and as more people buy buy those assets that supply shrinks the value as more people want to buy it the value is going to go up the price is going to go up and so that's really important 
utility is probably the most important thing that I look at. And it sort of encompasses a few of those those parameters. Utility meaning what can it do? What is it? Yeah. What is it? What can it do? Because if it if you can't really answer that super well, um, then you're really not invested in much, mm. right? Other than hype. Because if it doesn't have anything, like for example, um, yeah, I mean, it's what problem in the world is it solving, right? Would this be like the argument between, I've heard people make this, where Bitcoin, relatively simple transactions versus in th- Ethereum, which has, you know, contracts you can do and stuff like that. So would you say from that perspective, then something like Ethereum has more utility than something like Bitcoin? And so everything else being equal, if that was the case, you might look more towards something like Ethereum because it has more use in society. That's true. And then once you identify that utility, you know, by looking at the team, by looking at, at how they're, they're, how they're progressing uh, as a project, you can see, well, what are their chances of actually achieving? Like what's the feasibility of them achieving that mission? I see. Right. And so when you bring up Ethereum, Ethereum was kind of the next level beyond Bitcoin mm. because it allowed for those more complex mm. transactions to take place. Still, insustainably slow Mm. right and they're still they're kind of a hybrid still between proof of work mining Mm. and proof of stake which is kind of that that greener technology so has there been a third evolution or fourth evolution since ethereum there are there are and i've got i've got a short you know the short list of ones that i pay attention to and um you know really for everybody out there that's listening of course we'll, we'll we'll continue the conversation but um the the ones that I focus on out of those 20,000, there's really six. And the reason I only focus on those is these are, these are projects that uh, satisfy all those parameters I described, right? Like they've got a solid team, they're partnered, you know, major partnerships around the world, big world solve, finite supply, um, great price point. Cause that's the one I didn't mention mm-hmm. is what's the current price, mm-hmm. you know, versus it's, it's potential when you're looking at the charts and, um, Really, it's it, the, the, it starts with XRP. Mm. A lot of people have heard of XRP. Not not everyone. It's not yeah, as, I haven't. Not as popular as Bitcoin. Mm. Um, it's been around almost as long as Bitcoin, mm. but it's kind of gone under the radar, and um, it's gotten a lot of you know bad rap. You know, there's there's some conspiracies behind it where people think that it's you know the banker's coin or it's mm. the you know this side of the other, and um, other people think it's you know that anyway. When you actually look under the hood and what it's designed to do, it's meant to be a bridge currency, mm. which directly solves everything that we were discussing earlier that's plaguing the current or the old financial system. So a bridge currency, when I hear bridge currency, I think of, oh, it's a bridge between the old and the new model. So are you saying this may be a temporary coin we use as we move towards or is it, you know, it, it potentially could be the thing we move to? It Think of it as the shuttle between any sort of asset or value. Mm-hmm. You know, what What I really want to touch on, um, you know, before we before we part is we've seen the, the impact of the Internet mm-hmm. in our lifetime, right? The Internet allowed us to. Uh, have 24-7 access to information. Mm. Any question that you have, any, any, any knowledge you want to receive, you have access to that ability, right? And you could, you know, we, could, we could debate on the accuracy of the information you find, but you have that ability. Mm. Information can travel globally 24-7. Yeah. 
Most things in our life are moving in that direction. The one area, the one major area that hasn't is the financial system. Mm. The financial system is currently operating on 1970s technology. Mm. We touched on this earlier where yeah. it takes four to five days to send money across the world. And so what we're seeing with these new technologies such as XRP, and there's a few others too, that are allowing us to do is exchange value the way that we exchange information uh. 24-7. You don't have to wait till you know, nine to five during Monday through Friday for the bank to open, right? You don't have to wait for four or five days for, for money to clear when you, when you, when you send it, you know, across seas, uh, these, these transactions are the XRP allows transaction to be settled three to five seconds, mm. right? So you could send money any amount anywhere in the world within three to five seconds. And the transaction fee is less than a penny. Mm. And how, and it does XRP have built into it some way of, of, uh, making sure that the person selling actually has those assets and that the person buying actually has those assets. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. The way that it works, it's like what happens in the, in the, in those three to five seconds is, you know, within the app and there's, there's multiple apps that can be built on the network. That's mm -hmm. another thing that's important is these are, we're talking about these are, these are, these are, so networks. it has the ability to expand. So you, so apps will be built on these mm -hmm crypto crypto um centric networks mm -hmm. right so and so when you say app like let's say i could build something like an airbnb on top of this particular mm -hmm. pl you know network platform that uses the technology and i could rent out my home right based on this without uh with faster transaction speeds without the risk of you know um someone hacking into it or those kinds of things like the next level venmo yeah yeah. Even something as simple as that. Yeah. Right. 100%. Where I'm sending you money, mm -hmm. but instead, you know, it's, it's three to five seconds. It's cleared, not, not pending. Mm -hmm. It's cleared mm -hmm. and it can be anything to anything mm -hmm. as a bridge asset. What I mean by that is think of like, think of a shuttle or a ferry. Mm -hmm. If you want to get from one side of the river to the other, you take a shuttle, you take mm -hmm. that ferry. Right. And if the river is the global economy and we're sending money all over the world, XRP is the ferry. Mm. And so like if you have dollars in that in when you hit send that your dollar instantly trans gets converted into XRP mm. goes to, you know and then it, and then XRP travels anywhere in the world in three to five seconds put into the yen or something like and that. And then right before it gets to right when it gets to the other side or its destination it converts into whatever they want whatever mm. they need, right? And so it when I say bridge currency it's like a um, like a point of reference of value yeah. to where everything is measured against. And this, and, and, you know, me being an amateur at this, this right away seems, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but this right away seems like part of the issue with Bitcoin is I have to have the Bitcoin. You have to be able to take Bitcoin. Right. Sounds like what you're saying. Coins like XRP are solving is they actually do this. And is this an app doing this or is this actually built into the network where it's like, okay, I don't need XRP. All I need is a dollar and I can use the XRP technology to essentially mm -hmm. turn that into a yen and have it happen just like that without waiting three to five days for that transaction to happen. Yes. What you just said is very important because in the future, the, the way our, the, in the world of the future where we're going, uh, not everyone can own these XRP. Not mm. everybody. There's only a hundred billion ever in supply. Mm. And that sounds like a lot, but when you're sending, when everything of, when it is the network of value, the internet of value mm. and everything, and it's the shuttle for, you know, quadrillions of dollars annually to be passed through that, those hundred billion shuttles. Mm. When you do the math, um, 
it's in the four to five digits of what each coin would have to be worth to get to 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 satisfy that level of demand yeah right and and not everybody has to own them to use it like you said people can use the apps it's the people that own the xrp that own the not everybody owns the shuttle Mm. not everybody owns a gas station yeah right but the people that do that's where that's where the investment piece comes in so it almost be like us owning a piece of the central bank but everybody's doing people who don't own it still have to do business through that central bank absolutely you know uh, even though it's not structured the way the current central bank is okay this i mean that's exciting so let's let me just wrap up and then i want to see if you have any final things here so um just to kind of reiterate we're we are definitely potentially running out of uh, the current model that we're in we do have technologies that potentially can solve this problem. However, sounds like it's the wild, wild west. There's thousands of them. Most people don't know where to go with these things. So you're focusing on things like, okay, who's the team behind it? Who's that team involved with? What is the, and I guess you're saying this is the most important component. What does it actually do? What utility does it actually have? Um, and it sounds like what you're saying is that there are some coins that act as this bridge, this ferry that can take one currency, turn it into, you know, another currency, incredibly quick, all safe on the blockchain. And that we potentially have, not everyone has the opportunity to own these coins, but we would have the opportunity for people who get in sort of early to own these. We're probably moving in this direction anyway, but we don't quite yet know. And so, Correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like people like you are out there trying to predict and trying to understand what are the, where is the current uh, blockchain technology or digital currency technology? Who's the best? And not just who's the best, but um, what utility does it have and how can it solve the current uh, problem? So what are the other six if we wanted to do our research? So you said XRP, there's, there's another four or five? Yeah, XRP is primarily going to be utilized for back-end transactions. So mm-hmm. between institutions, between governments, mm-hmm. you know, most people most people out there won't have direct experience with, with XRP. XRP. Okay. You know, that's kind of, that's like the, the institutional B2B type yeah. of deal, right? Cool. The P2P version of that would be XLM, Okay. right? Stellar Lumens. Mm-hmm. Very similar technology. Matter of fact, the guy that created it helped create the XRP ledger. Oh, this is interesting. So would it be possible we could have an XRP B2B type of situation and an XLM, you know, person to person? Yeah. Or, you know, front of the house, back of the house Mm -hmm. kind of thing. Right. And then, so those, that they're kind of in their own, they're, they're specifically bridge currencies. Mm -hmm. They have a very specific role. They address this global economic system kind of situation so they might be the best for now to transition us out of the current situation and then as we move forward i really think the fine i focus on the financial system you know when it comes to crypto because crypto is going to be everything it's Mm. not just the financial system it's going to be legal system it's all all areas of our world will be touched will be built upon that and so there's a lot of exciting technologies out there that i think down the road will come into 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 prominence but right now this i think i think the first battleground is who's what can support this new economy because mm. as the as we're witnessing the old one co- collapse right stock market i mean it's grim out there right mm. now you know inflation that was another thing i wanted to say too is with inflation at eight and a half percent let's say you put a hundred thousand into the bank in cash in five years 
that hundred grand will be worth sixty mm-hmm. if inflation stays at eight and a half percent. Yeah, same with four hundred one ks and stuff like so, that. Right. So really, the worst one of the worst things I think people could do is have analysis paralysis mm. and just like keep their money in the bank because mm. that money has a that bank has a that bucket has a big hole in it mm. and they're losing money a thousand dollars. That's a thousand dollars. So you'd week. almost be better if you could have a hundred thousand dollars under your under your that's mattress than you know at the in the bank. A thousand dollars a week. Yeah, that's crazy. the size of the hole. Mm-hmm. In buying power, yeah, and so, um, yeah, and but but then there's other technologies such as Algorand. Mm-hmm. Algorand's another um, digital asset that I love. It's kind of like the newer Ethereum mm-hmm. has a lot of smart contract functionality. Is 120 million times less energy intensive as Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. So it's 120 million times more energy efficient than Bitcoin. Algorand, um, XDC mm-hmm. is going to solve the trade finance issue in the world right so we're, so shipping and trade bringing bringing global trade into that kind of web three uh internet of value kind of watershed moment right going from 70s technology to you know the year to 2022 uh iota mm. is kind of a, a another under the radar when it's it deals that'll that'll address more of um they call it the internet of things mm. so some people kind of get freaked out about it you know with your your refrigerator knowing when you're out of milk mm-hmm. and being able to communicate, you know, so it's it, a lot of autom- when things become more automated, yeah. those are the networks. Yeah. People have. get a little bit afraid of like, you know, privacy issues and stuff like that. Yeah. But what's interesting about what you're, what you're painting here and just correct me if I'm wrong about this, but I've always thought about this in my sort of, you know, just really basic understanding of this stuff as there would be one technology that we would all switch over to. But it sounds like what you're painting, at least in the short run, is that we might not want to be thinking about it in that way. And we might want to be thinking about these different uh, technologies and the utility they bring for a particular segment. Mm-hmm. You know, you and I doing business together versus two businesses doing business together versus, you know, um, how countries trade back and forth versus contracts and things like that. Am I thinking about that sort of correctly? So if that's the case, at least in the short term, are you thinking there might be a handful of these technologies that sort of dominate and then slowly but surely? So it sounds like maybe we go from these 21,000 to like maybe these 10 that are and then maybe these five and then. You know, maybe we get down to a handful that basically do all the things and some of them are specialized. And maybe we should be thinking about when we own these is more like owning like Apple or something like that from that perspective versus having a coin that we're going to be. We own a bunch of, you know, of the coin. It's more like we're owning a particular technology or a business that's solving an issue that most people Everyone will have to use, but not everyone will be able to own. It's kind of, there's, it's a combination. I would say you could look at it as a combination of being able to invest in oil in an oil field, mm-hmm. right? Two years before the model T was invented. Yeah. Right. Before everyone needed a car, right? It would be the mid nineties getting into, you know, uh, Amazon, mm-hmm. right. Or Google, mm-hmm. right. So, it what we're going to experience is very similar to those moments those oper- those once in a lifetime opportunities mm-hmm. where a new asset class is birthed mm-hmm. you know i think the last one was 100 years ago so like this is a aside from everything we've talked about just from an opportunity standpoint where we are in this in this game and where these assets are priced at now versus where their true value is it's again it's like amazon in the 90s yeah. you know there will be there will be 
uh, 95% will go away due to regulation. Because yeah. like I said, that Wild West phase isn't going to last forever. And so we want, that's why we make sure that we're investing the ones that are already certified, getting regulatory approval. You know, I, it, it, it's very important because we don't know which ones are going to last. Yeah. You know, so you, it is important to start with those fundamental ones that are. So now, I mean, I guess now we understand why you're uh, the optimist. So, all right. So as we let's just go ahead and wrap it up because I know that this this can be tough, and we covered a lot. And, <laughs> and so thank much. yeah, thank you so much because it's uh, it's just it kind of blew my mind. And of course, I would love to have you educate us on a regular basis on this. Would be really uh, fun. Any final things you want to um, leave people with, and things that you know maybe where you'd want to go in the next conversations? Yeah, you know, I, I do respect kind of like the the information overload of this all you know there's a lot mm. you know and i've spent the last two years averaging four hours a day worth of research mm. so it's kind of hard to condense that into, yeah, yeah. into one conversation so i appreciate everyone's patience and and kind of openness to this conversation and just know that you know i'm committed to kind of going deeper into it and um and and really um yeah the biggest thing is just uh having an open mind, not letting fear guide your way and, um, and do and doing the research, you know, having the courage to do the research. I think, um, you know, I'd love to, we could, we could kind of go in the future, go into more detail on, on each of the different assets and the technologies. If people have questions about that, but, um, yeah, just, just, just see it as see anytime that you're feeling like, um, the external world is squeezing too tight and you feel like things are coming to an end, just know that, that, that that may be true but it's still you know again on the other side of that is is a whole new opportunity every crisis breeds amazing opportunities if we can have the fortitude to to weather the storm yeah i know one of the things that as soon as this this lands people are going to be dming me and be like how do i work with brandon do you do you work with people to educate them on this and I do, help yeah. them okay cool so how can they get in touch with you that i can you want to give me your sort sure. of background your company and just let them know where to find you yeah, you know, I respect, you know, uh, people have tons of questions, mm. you know, and I'm sure based on the, the things we touched on, you know, they're going to probably a million questions mm. out there. Um, and so the best way to reach out to me uh, is probably, probably Instagram. Mm. I'm at Brandon underscore Belk. Mm. Um, you know, you'll get a, get a better feel for who I am as a person and what I'm into and share information there. I've got two telegram channels mm. uh, that I operate as well, free of charge. Mm. Um, if, if anybody's interested in, in staying plugged in there and that's where I'm sharing news that I, that comes across my desk on a daily basis, yeah. important announcements. Um, but the best way to, to get in touch with me is, uh, is, is Brandon Belk, B-R-A-N-D-O-N-B-E-L-K at growinnerouter.com. Mm. And, you know, like I said, any questions or, you know, curious of how you can work with me, that's the best way to reach me. Um, you know, typically I work with people based, you know, starts with education, right. And providing some, you know, kind of sharing some of the knowledge that I've come across to help them make informed decisions. Mm. Um, and that, and there's a spectrum of that. So anywhere of just kind of a consultant, right? Here's, here's what's going down. Here's what I would do. Here's what I'm doing mm. with, 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 with my money, um, and, 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 and assets. And then all the way to more of a white glove type of relationship mm. where I, d I do run a, a, a small private hedge fund mm. that helps manage people's assets for them. Mm. Um, and so, you know, if, if people are curious about that, we can talk more. Yeah, that's fantastic, man. I appreciate you, brother. That's it. genius stuff. See you next time, everybody. Thanks for hanging out. And so see you at the fun. next show. Much love.